to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Holly. And I'm Liz. And boy, are we so excited about today's episode. We are doing our first ever Speaking Literally book club. Um, so we'll dive into that in a little bit, but we will go ahead and get started with just a, just a few little news snippets here. Not too much going on. Um, so obviously everyone knows that where the crawdads sing, uh, came out and hit the, the big, you know, the big screens last month. However, just before its big screen release, um, the author Delilah Owens, um, came out that she was wanted for questioning in 1996 murder in Africa. What? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, and it was her and her husband. I believe her husband's also a mm. um, a writer. Um, and it's all to do with it was a hunt. Like, it was a poacher, wasn't it, on a safari park? Mm-hmm. Um, who had died, and yeah, they all wanted for the murder, which is. I mean, it just adds to the reality, the realism of the book, really. Exactly. (laughs) And so it's like, I remember telling my husband about it and it was like, is this real or is this one of those publicity stunt kind of things coming out that Mm. someone like, like the publisher or the publicist or whatever, like, um, like kind of like just hinted and dropped some of these little nuggets and someone picked them up to, to, get more you know attention on her in the movie i mean that's kind of you know extreme but i mean people do crazy things yeah i mean i think i wouldn't really want to be known as somebody who's wanted for murder he's wanted questioning of murder so i'm kind of hoping it's not just a publicity thing because that's a really bad publisher (laughs) yeah exactly and i i want to say like i haven't i haven't looked up anything like super recently on this, but I want to say that when I was first looking into it, that it's something about that there's like, that there's video or audio or something connected with mm-hmm. it, which is how they were able to connect Owens to the, to the story. But I haven't seen anything major come out about it. So who, no, I think it's been yeah. something that's gone in, gone on in the background. Um, I think it was that there was an interview that they did, where they were very against poachers. And then I think in a different novel of his or hers, there was this a very similar storyline to what actually happened in real life. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a bit of a mixture of a few things. But, yeah, I, I first saw it and I was like, no, that's that's not real. And I read it, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Did not see that coming. But. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, we'll see some updates soon. I don't know, like, how quick, uh, you know – I don't know if it's like happening here, you know, happening in Africa or we're working with them. So um, yeah. I'm sure that's that's going to kind of extend everything when it's a different different country and a different <laughs> continent. So I don't know, just keep your keep your eyes open for some information there. All right. What else, Liz? What else we got? So we have had the long list announced for the Booker Prize of 2022. Um, as always, we've already spoken about this. We haven't heard, like read any of them, and um, we've. I don't think Holly, you said you've had you haven't heard of uh, of any of these. I, I did none of them jump out at me like, oh yeah, yeah I have heard I, of that one. Mm-mm. I think there's there's two that kind of ring a bell, but not from like personally seeing it in person, more like just seeing it on Instagram. But it's quite interesting. So there's some highlights. Um, we've got a massive kind of age range this year. So the youngest is uh, well, we've actually 
I got the youngest and the oldest author ever to be longlisted. So that's cool. Layla Motley. Yeah. So Layla Motley is the youngest and uh, she is 20 years old. And then the oldest is Alan Garner, who is going to be celebrating his 88th birthday on the night of the winner's ceremony. So that's quite interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, so, we- so just to test my math skills, because we all know that I'm not good at math, but I believe that's like a 68 year age difference from the youngest to the oldest in this. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also got the shortest book ever to be recognized in the prize's history, which is Claire Keegan's Small Things Like These, which is 116 pages. Oh, well, you know, that so, makes sense. The book is called Small Things <laughs> Like These. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a very apt title. I, absolutely. <laughs> like, I need to check that one out. I like this author. So yeah, no, it's it's really so that obviously it's a it's a record year really it's breaking lots of records, um, but we are going to be finding out uh, the shortlist on September the sixth, and that's going to be an event in London, um, and then the winner will be announced at the Roundhouse on October seventeenth. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it should be interesting. So what else is going on in the bookish world? Uh, let's see. So well, we talked a little bit about this right before we started recording, and you were slightly jealous um but apparently in the u.s we are launching a new reality tv show because you know us americans love being in everybody else's lives um but it is the great it's the america's next great author reality show so you know like um like America's Next Top Model and all those shows. But this one is actually for writers. So pretty much right now it's it's open for people to apply for the show. They have until September 15th to apply. There's a website. Um, and so basically they um, um, it'll be Kwa- uh, Kwame Alexander, uh, best-selling author, um, is going to kind of be leading this this reality show where they're looking for the next great author. So after people apply, they will then go and it's, I view it more like the next step being like Shark Tank, where they have to go and pitch their story yeah. idea, and then there is a two hundred uh, a twenty five hundred dollar cash prize for the best pitch, and then they'll get like a prominent role on the pilot episode, and then basically what they'll do throughout the reality show is they will it, it's kind of like almost like a writer's um workshop conference kind of thing where they after like they they'll select their top six finalists and then they will bring them together for this like writing workshop competition kind of thing where throughout the 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 time they will basically compete to get their book you know selected to be published i guess um so it's it sounds really really cool. Um, it's like I guess um, the filming of the first episode is gonna it's gonna be in Newark, New Jersey, uh, and they are going to in October name the 100 semifinalists who will be invited to the filming, and then at the end of the month on October 30th is when they're really gonna begin um, kind of filming the the 20 finalists so they're gonna kind of go in chunks it's kind of like the audition process you know the more episodes the more viewers but 
it's going to be really, really cool. I'm really excited to see actually how this goes. That actually sounds pretty exciting. Did you say that, so are they starting writing in early November? Or um, yeah, so the they ha- people have until September 15th if they want to apply. And they, there's the website, americasnextgreatauthor.com. Just go there and there's a big you know bar there that says apply now through September 15th. And then from there on October 1st, they will name the 100 semifinalists. So I'm assuming that they'll probably do like the screening, just screen between yeah. like for those that last part of September, they'll probably just screen and choose their hundred semifinalists. And then um, uh, it says on October 30th at the filming one by one, 20 finalists will be called up to present their pitches in front of the audience and the judges. Um, and the judges will critique everything from idea to style to potential in the literary marketplace and provide advice to the writers that they can apply to their work, whether they're called up to pitch or not. And then they will name one winner who receives a $2,500 and a prominent role in the pilot. And then the winner will join them for a second day of filming. So there's a lot of information, um, you, you know, on this website, you can see like, you know, the hosts and the judges and the, and I guess there'll be mentors as well. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's really, it's really kind of cool. So, um, well, the news, the news of that has reached England. Um, I've just been looking it up. It's on on the Guardian website. Um, and yeah, so as you say, it um, gets down to six finalists who are locked together for a month and they will face live wire challenge, challenges as they attempt to write an entire novel in 30 days. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, I, I heard, like, a comparison to... Um, like Big Brother, so while they're in, like when they're locked up in this house, there'll yeah. be cameras kind of watching how they interact. Now they're authors, so I don't know if it's going to be <laughs> as exciting as Big Brother. I mean, like I don't know yeah, if exactly. everyone's going to be like fighting to get in each other's beds, like on Big Brother. But um, it, I don't know. It's 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 going to be interesting. Like you know, it's the first time that we've seen yeah. something like this. Um. So yeah, I might have to see if if I can find it like being broadcast on Channel Over because it does sound really interesting, and it's I kind of hope that it's kind of like an in, more intellectual. And I mean, it's writers, so mm-hmm. it should be a bit more intellectual than Barbie Girl on on Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> After all, you need to get through. To, you need to be able to write for a start. So I mean, that basically cancels out about three quarters of Big Brother normal mm. people. So mm-hmm. that's good. Exactly. So it'd be nice to see kind of more, yeah, more, a bit more intellectual um, reality TV. And that does sound really fun. It kind of reminds me, the whole 30 days to write a novel is a bit like NaNoWriMo. Mm-hmm. That's why I was wondering if they're going to do a November. Then they oh, could yeah. Tie in really nicely. That would be really awesome. That would definitely tie in. Yeah. You know, and by the timeline, they should be. They should be able, if they're so announcing, you know, doing the, the, the 20 finalists and then knocking it down to yeah. six, they should have their six. Um, so, huh, interesting. All right. Well, you know, keep an eye out for that. And if you're an aspiring, you know, writer and you have a great idea, go in and apply if you want to go spend some time in Newark, New Jersey. I will admit, I haven't heard of Kwame Alexander, though. He's meant to be a best-selling author. Yeah. We'll have to look him up, too. All right. Yeah, I don't recognize any of his books. (laughs) He's one of those. He's one of those best-selling authors. <laughs> well, you know, he's going to have a resurgence in his writing popularity after this. Everyone's oh, yeah. going to be buying his books. Yeah, he'll be back in New York, but we'll be talking about him in, in like 
a few months' time. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The new year, it'll be all about Kwame Alexander. (sighs) Yeah. All right. What else, Liz? One last thing I think we have on our news list. We do. So uh, we do have another a bit of sad news, and that is that um, the author, his American novelist Stuart Woods, has passed away. Sadly, Um, that was on the July twenty second. So few weeks ago now. Um, I personally have never heard of him. <laughs> um, have you read any of his books? I haven't read any of his books, but I have heard of him. He he is oh, okay. he is a prolific writer, so he has lots and lots of books out. Um, so whereas I've never read his books, I mm-hmm. you know I do I do know who he is and know of him. So I mean, to be fair, it does say that he's the author of more than seventy five novels. So yeah. <laughs> He's done. He did a lot in his, in his life. Wow, yeah. seventy-five. That was um, impressive. Yeah. Um, it says here that he's known best for his first novel, Chiefs, and his series of novels featuring the Stone Barrington character. Yeah. So yeah, he was 80, 84. So I mean, he had he, a, he did he had pretty good innings. Yeah, good yeah. long life for sure. So. Exactly. Um, all right. So then to move on from that, um, the New York Times bestseller list, um, as always, we look primarily at the combined print and ebook. Um, we don't want to discriminate between, you know, books and e-readers because it still counts. Um, guess what number one still is? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it could, could it be Colleen Hoover? <laughs> what? That is an excellent guess and a very, <laughs> very worthy and logical guess. But it's actually still where the crawdads sing. Um, ah. So you know, again, murder, um, movie in the in the theaters. <laughs> you know, that kind of makes sense. Whenever something happens, oh. it kind of jumps the the book back up. What? But murder sells. So what can I say? <laughs> Absolutely right. If, um, if you're a writer, and if you want you want to get more famous, just kill someone. I mean, please don't. So but. yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so think about that if you're planning on applying for America's Next Great Writer, <laughs> consider putting that into your pitch. Um, you know, TV loves drama. Um, all right, so uh, so that's number one. But when it comes to spot two, three, and four. Liz, you nailed it. Um, Colleen Hoover maintains the dominance of the top oh five, securing spots two, three, and four. Um, I just, I feel sorry for all the other writers because there are so many good writers out there that just deserve those spaces, and she's just hogging it. <laughs> she has this monopoly, so like right? <laughs> oh, share the space, Colleen. Um, Very selfish. Who's number five then? Uh, So interestingly enough, and, you know, this also tends to happen not only when a a book is going to go to hit the movie screen, but also when an author is about to release another um, probably best-selling book. But in the number five spot right now is The Seven Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, And, yeah, and as we know that um, her new book, Kayler, or Carrie Soto is Back, is going to be released later this month. So there's probably a big push right now and excitement um, on getting. I mean, that, yeah, that sounds okay, but I don't know whether I'd rush to go read it. Which one? Carrie Soto. Oh, yeah. Um, I love The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And I, I know a really lot of <laughs> it. But see, you've read. Um, uh, the I Daisy, Daisy yeah, yeah, and you like that one, really and I haven't read that one yet either. So um, I did it on audio because it's I think in I think in book format 
is it like a scripted thing, I think. But audio was really good because it was like a whole different all cast, a full cast. Oh. So, yeah, if, you, if you're ever going to read it, I would recommend the audio. It's okay. really good. I love audios when there's a full cast. For and sure. I've also got Malibu Rising, but I haven't read it yet. That's I, yeah. what I'm trying to read this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read that one yet either. Um, so, yeah, so Evelyn Hugo's back into the top five. Um, and then we always kind of mention the, the YA hardcover just because we're fascinated by the One of Us is Lying, which has been on the list for 235 weeks, and it's primarily at number one or number two. It is this week currently sitting at number two <laughs> behind um, a book that was just released this week, which is Star Wars Padawan. So that just goes to show oh. how popular Star Wars is. I, I don't think that will last long. I think we'll see that out of the list next week. I think that's just all the Star Wars fans rushing to get that the first week. I agree. I think that's all that is. But I just feel sorry because, like, if you look at the top, obviously the top five for for the bestsellers list for the adults, there are no new books. Yeah. They're, they're all, what, at least a year old? Hmm. So are we saying that the books released in the last, like, six months <laughs> haven't sold as well? They're just not good enough. They're I got They're just as, not. Which is so weird because there have been so many good YA mm-hmm. books that have come out. And it's like, just, I, yeah, I don't understand how one of us YA is lying. is a bit, yeah, YA is a bit better because I think, I mean, I was having a quick look. They've got a few more newer books. Like they've got obviously Family of Liars on number four, um, which came out, what, about 13 weeks ago. Um, and number three is new this, new this week, Violet Made of Thorns, which mm-hmm. I think is part of a series. Um, so your way is better, but the adults, it's just like, there's, there's no movement. No. There's just, Mm-mm. there's no, like, Colin Hoover is just hogging the top spots and just won't let them go. Won't I, let the like have a have a turn. <laughs> and, and you know, it's really funny because it's like, is it because like um, everyone is talking about Colleen Hoover's book, so everyone's who hasn't read is like, oh, maybe I should read and get on the bandwagon. Um, I really think, Liz, that you and I are two of the last people who can actually say. <laughs> We have not read Colleen Hoover yet. You've got a Colleen Hoover book there, haven't you? I have Verity. Um, yeah, I've got Verity. So I got it. I got it um, when it was free for the Kindle. Um, <laughs> so, but you know, <coughs> um, but it's it's the one that's at number three right now. Yeah, that's the one I've got. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I mean, even number seven, even number six is Colleen Hoover. Mm-hmm. It is. And the new, oh, no, it's just, it's crazy. So it's if. Been so, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we're, <laughs> we're going with tangents, but Colleen, And also, how much further, how much longer can this go on for, really? Like, how Okay, so let's, let's make predictions. Work? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to write it down. What, when do you think Colleen Hoover will no longer retain all three spots or she'll lose at least one spot Uh, i can't really think of any really really big books coming out soon (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna say do i think she's gonna lose one then our next show do i think that no i think maybe october you think october 
I... October is quite a big one because or it September we've got Stephen King coming out, the new Stephen King. Okay. October, I think it is, we've got the new uh, Cormac McCarthy books coming out. Okay. Uh, we've got other ones probably coming out. <laughs> I, I am going to give her a little more time to maintain her monopoly. I think I'm going to go November. Okay. Okay, I wrote down our, our predictions, <laughs> so I'll bring them back. I got them. Are you going to even remember what that what that stands for? Oh, I should probably, October, yeah, Holly right November. now it just says Liz October, Holly November. Um, these are our... Oh, that's going to make any sense to you. Colleen, I'll be like, yeah, tomorrow I would be like, what is this? I have no attention span, no memory. Um, have you ever watched Ted Lasso? Have a memory like a goldfish? Don't remember anything after 10 seconds? I haven't seen that. I haven't either, but everybody I work with talks about it. So we actually, yeah, so I'm like, be a goldfish. Um, Colleen Hoover loses Monopoly on top five. Okay. I, I wrote my note on my yeah, note. I'm thinking, I'm thinking October because I'm thinking Halloween. I'm thinking more people will want to buy like horror and thriller books. Okay. All right. That's, that's my, that's my, my theory, but. Well, Liz, since you're not reading Colleen Hoover, what are you reading? Uh, well, I have been, I've, we've been reading, obviously, Way of Dragons, which is Caleb's um, most recent book. Caleb Ortega, who we had on the show over a year ago. <laughs> I know, he was like our first guest was author. Was, oh my gosh. He was our second, was he our second show? Um, it might have been our second. Um, yeah, second or third. So yeah, yeah, about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was. Do you know what? I don't know about you, but because I was speaking to Caleb about this, and he said that a lot of people didn't really like it. But personally, I actually thought it was. I for me, is it was my favorite standalone of his. Really, I I was really, really connected with that whole towel and like finding your way and things. I loved that piece of it um, and really like discovering who you can be and like that mm-hmm. confidence and believing in yourself and like not letting things, you know, yeah. define who you are. But for me, I struggled with the character. Uh, and, you know, Caleb and I have talked yeah. about that. Like at the very, like I just, I, I, so the first part of the book, like once they got into the mountains, and started like funny. that piece. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was great. Yeah. I loved the the like the monster kind of creatures that they encountered, and just the diversity of what they went through. Like I loved it. Definitely, I loved yeah. the like the um, like the. I don't want to really spoil it, but the the end, like the setting at the end when he kind and of Luong was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just like the description of that area, yeah. like the like the bridge, like I loved that. But from the beginning to getting to the mountain, I did struggle a little bit with because yeah. I I hated the character. And I, but Caleb, you know, and I had that conversation with with Caleb, and he's like, you know. That's okay. Like, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to because he's supposed to hit kind of that rock bottom. Um, and then because he hits rock bottom because that's when he's able to, to grow. Um, I get it, Caleb. I, mean, yeah, I get I, it. But, oh, my God, I wanted to smack him across the face. Not Caleb. I didn't want to smack Caleb. I wanted to smack this kid across the face. 
Yeah, no, I, I do. I was saying that to Caleb as well. I was saying that at the beginning, he was pretty much very weedy. He was very kind of weak and, yeah, it was frustrating. But I liked his progression. I liked his development and how he kind of turned, like how he uses his fears and his, it basically, he kind of uses his fears to drive him almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really liked that. But, you yeah, know, the beginning bit was, yeah, I wanted to, like, punch him in the face so many times. Yeah. And all the decisions is like, seriously, pick yourself up, get over it, just uh, yeah. deal with it. Uh, I don't about it. <laughs> oh, but you know, it, it. But I really did enjoy it. I still, it wasn't my favorite of a standalone. I still, um, I don't know. I still think um, the the one will die or one must die. Mm. Um, that one, that one of the first two. Yeah, yeah. One of the first two were also mm-hmm. one of my favorites. I think I think one yeah one the very first one as well but yeah no this one I mean I think the the my main attraction to this one was the whole the theories and the concepts behind it mm-hmm. because I didn't really know how the Chinese thought of thought of heaven as so it was really interesting we we like discovered about the maze which we heard about in the warfare of the gods mm-hmm. um so I thought that was really interesting and I was messaging Caleb going so is this right like the because they mentioned sagamut um sagamut mm-hmm. and i was like do you chinese believe in that and so he just talked to me about it, like it said not really but it was <laughs> like the thing he was just like trying to do a little sneaky linking up but no, yeah I, and that's a big thing he he always tries it. to connect all of them to the same world yeah. which i love and um and i don't know if you caught it i'm sure you did obviously you would have but when at the beginning when he was trying to go um on this mission with with the villagers and he got his little kitchen knife and he called it fearless and that was the name of the sword in one must, I believe it was the name of the the sword and one must die. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I remember now. Yeah, because as soon as I read it, I'm like, I, I messaged Caleb and I'm like, oh my gosh, Fearless has returned. <laughs> so I, I and Aww, I just, so yeah, I just love the fact that that Caleb does that. He tries to do these yeah. like subtle, like interwoven aspects to connect, you know, his, his, um, like his standalone books with each other to Definitely. warfare of the gods, the series, which of course, um, book four is getting ready to come out. I cannot wait to get that one. I don't think the next one's, I don't think it's the next one though, is it? The next one coming out is Goliath's brother, which is coming out of another bit of, well, for a few I meant um, more coming out, coming out to my, my email inbox, not coming <laughs> out for people yet, but coming out in my, in my inbox so I can read it early. <laughs> yeah, come on, Caleb, I'm waiting. <laughs> I think we get, we're getting, we'll be, we will be getting another one soon. Um, Goliath's brother. Which yeah. You guys will, can get on the 1st of September. Mm-hmm. Which just happens to be another sort of certain special day, but <laughs> oh, what's so special about September first, Liz? I mean, it, it might be my birthday. Oh, <laughs> happy early birthday! We've <laughs> <laughs> got quite a lot coming on first September, so we'll find out in a minute. Um, but yeah, no, so there's that one, um, Goliath's brother, which is coming out. Then I think after that is going to be the next Warfare of the Gods. So yeah, awesome. Um, what have you been reading, Holly? Um, I, hmm. 
Um, I've been reading work email. I've been reading um, the master schedule for my school. <laughs> That's what I've been reading. <laughs> um, I'm trying to finish Hotel Magnifique that I feel like I've been reading for 15 years. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to read it. Um, I, you know, it's it's been a, it's been a little slow right now. Um, so I'm going to kind of skip that part of what I'm reading um, because I did read <laughs> The Way of the Dragon. So, Liz, why don't you just wrap up this segment um, with what's coming up soon so that we can get ready for our book club. Yep. Okay, okay. so um, we've got a few coming out between now and our next show. So we've got Final Gambit, which is the final book in the series for Inheritance Games. It sure is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's coming out in uh, America on August August 30th and a few days later on 1st September um, for the <laughs> UK. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> You're probably going to get a few of these. I haven't even read those yet. I need to get on and read those. Oh, yeah, you did. They're um, so good. The next one I'm actually really looking forward to um, also comes out in the UK on 1st September. What? Happy <laughs> birthday. I've got like a hard on for 1st September. It's really strange over here. <laughs> Um, but then you guys have got like a thing about August 30th and 23rd. I swear mm. I've seen like all over the place. Yeah. August um, anyway. 30th is a huge release date over here for us. Yeah. Um, the next one is Babel, um, which sounds really interesting. It's got some real good sort of dark academia vibes. And I'm really looking forward to reading that. Um, that comes out on 1st September in UK and America, August 23rd. And then the last one um, is one that both me and Holly have been talking about that does sound really interesting. Oh, I can't wait to read this one. Blogs. It sounds so cool, um, which is Book Eaters, and that comes out, well, it's already out in America. Lucky it sure is, yeah, it came out this um, week. And I came out on the 2nd of August, and us over here have to wait an extra, like, 16 days, because it comes out on the 18th of August. Hmm. I think we've got to sort that out. That's just not fair that they have to make it, they make us wait for, like, weeks later. Well, <laughs> you know, there is, I think, a still a supply chain issue, so we've actually got to get them over there yeah not that i have any idea where they're actually being published <laughs> but i'm just saying maybe it's a supply chain issue it could be it could be um <laughs> but yeah so um that's book eaters uk 18th of august us is out now yeah so yeah that is all of the new releases coming out well the top three of our releases coming out um in august if you do want to find out about more august releases you can look at mine and holly's blog because I've just started it. I started the top releases uh, of the month, and Holly's uh, has been going for quite some time. And they are quite different, which is good. Um, so we've got a nice little variation going. Mm-hmm. I do think it's fun to, to see what we overlap on and <laughs> what we what we have differently. So uh, it is super fun. It's super fun to write them every month and see what's coming up. Um, all right. Well, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by two special guests. And we will do our first ever book club episode um so you know who knows what's gonna happen shenanigans i'm sure will find us very quickly so we will be talking about our crooked hearts by melissa albert right after this break hello and welcome back we are so excited to get into our book club discussion that we kind of mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, where we'll be discussing Our Crooked Hearts by Melissa Albert. We are joined with two special guests today, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. And Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. 
They are some of our Bookstagram friends that have read and have some thoughts about our book choice for the month. And so they have graciously agreed to join the craziness that is our show so we can kind of just talk about what we thought about it. So if you have never read Our Crooked Hearts and you don't want it to be spoiled, go ahead and pause, go read the book, come back, unpause, and finish listening. Or if you've read it or you really don't care about spoilers, keep listening and enjoy the fun because there's bound to be plenty of it. So on that note, Liz, get us started. Okay, well, I mean, we might as well start at the beginning. So when you got into this book, did you have any expectations? Did you read about it first or was it that you didn't know anything whatsoever going into this? Um, Jen? Um, I knew nothing about it. I'm one of those that was reads a book because of the cover. I love the way the cover looked. Cover was also drawn in by the cover. Loved the colors and imagery. No, I think for me, one of the biggest draws was the cover because it's always like, it's just really interesting and it's really nice how it ties in really well with the book, um, the whole imagery and how it ties into the actual plot line itself. Um, Although I still, I don't think I completely get the whole connection between rabbits. <laughs> it was kind of like a little sidebar thing. Well, um, I think with the rabbit, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, um, but it was the rabbit that really got the whole kind of seance kind of spell. They needed yeah. that dead rabbit to uh-huh. to try to get, you know, Marion to do the spell to bring the um, occultist back. So that's, I think, yeah, so I think that just kind of linked. And so when, like, Ivy found the the rabbit on her doorstep, I don't necessarily think it was only for Ivy, but, you know, also for her mom, because her mom is going to make that connection from her past to the present. Um, It's going to be a warning she recognizes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Wasn't also the the rabbit that Ivy found, that was kind of the first sort of hint that something wasn't quite right, wasn't it? When Ivy started thinking, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's very symbolic um, kind of animal that we see from the beginning of the book right to the end. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was I was looking for the rabbit because of the, the cover. I was like, we got something that's <laughs> going on with rabbits. So I was yeah. especially paying attention. Yeah. Okay. And like for me, um, I liked the cover, but I had heard because I know I believe this book came out in like May, like late spring, I think is when it came out. And I didn't read June. it June. Um, yeah, because that's yeah, we okay. when it first came out, didn't we? So I like I'd seen a, a lot kind of floating around on Instagram. Um, and I think what initially drew me in was the idea that it was like a dark fantasy with like mm-hmm. dark dark and more negative and bad magic and i love fantasy it's it's my go-to genre but there's not a lot of that dark fantasy bad magic out there so i was really really intrigued with it and um i i know this is different from from stephanie so um so i'm going to shoot this question over to her but i really really enjoy dual points of view and dual timelines. And this book had both of those. And I know, Stephanie, you kind of are the opposite. Yeah, it's not typically my favorite writing style. And sometimes it can feel really, like, sudden. 
when you swap between the two viewpoints, but I thought that it was really well done here um, because you are primarily in Ivy's story, but when they swap over to Dana's, it's like at that perfect point where you're like, okay, flashback style, right? Like you learn something that's really important to Ivy and then why mm. it's happening to her or what was motivating Dana through whatever decision she made that later affected Ivy. And I just thought it was really well done. It was very smooth. I really liked how um, with most sort of dual narratives, you have the character's name as the chapter, but the way that they split up the narratives this time was by the time period. So mm-hmm. it was like back then it was present day and elsewhere. I think the other one was mm-hmm. um, that was, I thought that worked really well. And as you say, with a lot of the times you are reading one of the dual narratives. Sometimes you, you go back to the other one. You're like, oh, I, I want to just find out about the other one, but this really yes. kind of adds an extra layer to the story um, and really makes you want to read about the different timelines so how about you Jen what yeah I I almost felt like there were like many cliffhangers yes yeah you know and that the swapping of timelines really kind of helped bring you into like that Mm -hmm. next resolution and not just going back into somebody else's story yeah, and I think, like, when, you know, you got so used to jumping kind of back and forth between Ivy and Dana for so long because you, you learned that style, you learned that structure, and it was so important to what was happening. And then as you get towards the end of the book and all of a sudden you're thrown into Marion's elsewhere, it's like, whoa, what's happening? Like, I thought that was a great little kind of, like, shock to the system to, to see now Marion. It was a really good way of like disrupting the timeline and really like, disrupting the story suddenly with this completely new narrative line um, that we we didn't see coming that we didn't kind of hear about before. I thought that worked really well. And one of my biggest questions, and 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 I know we're kind of already jumping all over the place, but with Marion, and when we finally get towards the end of the book when we get to see and hear from her and Liz, you and I kind of talked about this after we read it. Um, and, and, and this is maybe I just need someone to explain why this was the way it was. But if Marion is sitting there and she's watching for 17 years, 16 years or however long she's been watching Ivy. And then all of a sudden decides, I'm going to get out of elsewhere and I'm going to join the real world again. And poof, she's in the real world, you know, running around naked in the, in the streets. Why didn't she come back earlier? Any, any ideas? Good question. I don't, I don't know that that was necessarily like explained. I think Mm -hmm. it might've been more of just, she couldn't take it anymore. Well, and I think it was inferred, too, that she finally figured out how to do it with that person who was like a zombie now mm, that she cultist. was fighting so hard to be, become a part of or overtake her that she finally, I think it was implied that she figured out how to do it just at that moment that she had always been trying to get out. But why she was wandering around and acting all crazy, that was a, was another thing. But I love how the book starts out. And still has the whole story pulled in just from the very beginning mm-hmm. when they go to that party and she's on the side of the street. You, like, you just don't want to put the book down. You're like, okay, what just happened here? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And why is this mother 
acting so weird. And like you knew something was wrong with her mother in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and then there's that person wandering around and, and I'll be honest, I didn't even halfway think that that person was really tied to the three girls as they were growing up or as they were friends when they worked in the bar. Yeah. He, like it, yeah. it switched back and forth to present day and past. Um, I felt like Liz had a good point where it just keeps drawing you in. and It was done so well, but you couldn't put it down. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, and I think that kind of goes back to like when it was a shock in the system to get Marion's point of view chapters, you know, mm-hmm. it was like everything was just, you were so in the moment on whatever was happening on the page you were happening on that as soon as something new happened, um, like, you know, in the, like, like you said, in the past when Marion all of a sudden starts, you know, she walks in the door and gets a job, like we didn't see her coming, but then yet that was paired almost with the, the present day with the photo that was bent to hide Marion yes. in the picture. Yes. Um, uh-huh. so, so it's all like, it, it, like, places yeah. And it was just, everything was timed so perfectly. Like, yeah. Cause do you remember, I think about halfway, didn't I, I said that like, there's something here, Marion's like, I kind of had a feeling that it might be Marion, that, that, um, the main couple of mm-hmm. person walking around. I remember saying like, yeah, I reckon it might be her, but there was still like quite a few twists that I just didn't see coming. Um, I mean, I didn't, I had no idea where the mother was. I thought all this time the mother was with the auntie, uh, with kind of somewhere else trying to fix all this. So that was quite a a big shock. Um, I think genre wise, I think it's an interesting one because I'm pretty sure it's classed as YA, but it kind of feels like it's bordering the two YA and adult. I don't know what you go, what you guys think. I agree with that. It felt to me a lot like, practical magic you know when, uh, like a generational story and so because of yeah. that it kind of crosses genre too you know like it's not just one point of view or like one specific age group that it's targeted like it's yeah. really like a good multi-generational story mm-hmm. and it wasn't super theatrical um a lot of the young adult mm-hmm. that i've read recently it's just um bile in the back of the throat um just over dramatic, and I felt yeah. like this just had the perfect balance, but it did feel young adult to me. But it was really, really well done um, in a creepy, kind of witchy way because I know mm. witchcraft is getting really popular again with um, books. And um, I really thought this one was well done. And like I said in my review um, on Instagram, I hope they do a book too. I mean, there's so much they could do. Like I would love to see the relationship between Ivy and the next door neighbor Uh and how their relationship was, you know, at the, in the beginning. And um, like that just seemed really fascinating how that, that was another twist there at the very end. Cause I didn't see that coming. I did not know Mm -hmm. that her memory was going to be erased. Um, and so that was a shocker to me. Yeah. Can we, and that really worked. Can we talk about yeah. that? What kind, I mean, I, I, I get that as, as parents and, and Jennifer, I know that you, your parent, your grandma, um, Stephanie, yeah. do you have, do you have any children? Yes. Okay. Children. Oh, okay. Perfect. As a parent, no matter how bad things get, and I know we all want to protect our kids. I don't know if I would ever be able to do something where I would, 
I mean, she even knew that she what she didn't know what was going to happen when she did it. Like you could have like completely bent the mind of the kid and then never be the same. But to completely like pull out and take away memories that erase people, like everything, yeah. like like how scared, you know, um, you know, just beyond you know, comprehension that this mother must have been to get to that point. Like, what do you think about that? Uh, I remember thinking, you know, I have two very strong-willed daughters, and I remember thinking I would have done the exact same thing if I had come into the room and found out that she was talking to her, and I thought all this time that I had killed her, and I knew that 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 wherever she was, she was super, super dangerous and that I had a limited amount of time to try to save my family because if I thought if she was going to come over, come back and, and do something to me or my family, I absolutely would have erased both my daughter's memories <laughs> to try to save my family because of how dangerous she thought mm-hmm. she was. Like I put myself in that position and I have two daughters that would have spoke to me exactly like she was talking to her mother <laughs> and said, listen, I'm going to try to save her. I just heard you tried to kill her and I'm getting her back and I'm way more powerful than you. I would have said, okay, I got to do something right now to save all of us. Like that's how I for me, that's what that felt like. Mm. I don't know about I anyone guess, else. I guess the only concern would be is that if this person was really that powerful and that dangerous, if they tried to come out in a few years' time when they're older, the daughter or the son, depending on obviously who you've got, they wouldn't know how dangerous this person was. So they would see them and they wouldn't know the danger. Yes. So I think that so would I think be she was quite trying a... to save all of them. Yeah. Hmm. So I think that was I'm, really I'm interesting. Like, how it affected everyone around them. Mm-hmm. Like, not just the neighbor, though. Obviously, yeah. that was like a big part of it, right? Because she pulled yeah. like all of their relationship out of her mind. But like, as a family, how do you handle that, knowing that one of you has this ability that they can just make stuff disappear? You're not going to remember yeah. anymore. Like, because there was definitely. Like, the subtle hints throughout the entire book, but, like, everyone agrees mom's weird, right? Like, mom can mm-hmm. do some stuff. Yeah. And so to be, like, on the outside looking in on that relationship and how Ivy's life is different and Ivy fundamentally is different because of what's been taken from her. Like, yeah. I just wonder about that dynamic and how interesting that must have been. Because it kind of seemed like it put everybody on edge all the time in their mm-hmm. interactions. 100%. I mean... I didn't really like the father. I felt that the father mm. was very weak. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there were so many times when he could have stood up to his wife um, and said, like, look, look at what you're doing. You need to, to kind of stop mm-hmm. this. Um, and even when like, when he was in the room with the daughter and the daughter was going, what, what's going on? What's going on? And he was like, oh, we need to wait for your mum. I'll tell you when your mum gets here. Days later, it's like just. Yeah, like after it's been a while and something is obviously <laughs> wrong because mom has not shown up, it's time to like, okay, this is what's going on. Something's happening because everyone is not like no one's talking to each other. Everyone's keeping the secrets like Ivy hasn't shared anything about the strange naked lady running around. Um, You know, dad hasn't shared anything about anything. Mom's not there. And brother is just, you know, anyway. going out smoking <laughs> pot or whatever. And is completely oblivious to everything waiting for him to go back to college. Um, so it's just like 
the whole dynamic of the the secret keeping and you know is creating more issues than if everyone was just kind of like something's going on let's work together and figure this out because aunt fee and mom are missing also i think it was really unfair that they kept the son's memories so the son had to live his life keeping these massive secrets from his sister and not being able to say certain things as the amount of pressure that puts on like a sibling dynamic, mm-hmm. as you're saying, it all of these secrets just completely unbalance the whole family dynamics going on. Um, and you can see that they are quite a dysfunctional family. There's nothing kind of normal or like even particularly close ab- about the family. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and I'll be honest, <clears throat> I didn't think she was going to have powers. Mm. Who Ivy? That was a big surprise too. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like for the majority of the book, because she didn't have her memories, we were right there <laughs> with her, um, which which is interesting. And then to learn that like it was really almost like passed through her um, during yeah. the the, yeah. the struggle at childbirth. Um, that was kind of interesting. Um, that was. that whole that whole scene was was kind of weird um, yeah. one thing I, I do very much agree with Jennifer um, about the whole they need a second book for this because um, me and Holly were talking about this after we finished and I was frantically looking around going this must be part of the series because I felt there were so many little kind of storylines that just they didn't finish it properly I just felt like there were quite a few loose ends um, that just need we just need a bit more yeah I think I she could totally pull it off is this her first book does anyone know if this is her debut? No, I think she's oh, not. Did she write the, um, oh, what did she Hazelwood. write? Hazelwood. I was going to say, I thought she wrote, yeah, that's right, Hazelwood. And it's sequel, which I can't remember the name of currently. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you read Hazelwood? No. I just borrowed it, actually, though, after reading this. Hmm. <laughs> I've seen it. I haven't read it either, but it's, I've, 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 I've kind of glanced it. at it. But I do know, like, I remember telling Liz when I was getting to, like, like the last two or three chapters of the book, I'm like, I don't understand how this book is going to be over in, like, mm-hmm. 30 pages because yeah. there is so much that is left to be answered, that is left to be done, that we spent a magical amount of time building to this point, and there was no way that the end couldn't be rushed and I was that's where I was a little disappointed because Mm -hmm. everything had worked at such a perfect flow and then it was like bam here's Marion here's Ivy Ivy's going she's finding her slumbering you know mom and fee and then you know but I mean like how how scary must that be to be like all right I know this crazy lady's coming after me but I'm gonna go to sleep right now so I can jump into the dreams of my mom and fee so I can try to save them and leave my sleeping body vulnerable to someone who's trying to kill me yeah <laughs> no, well, they I did, did kind of leave it open too because the box is still out there mm-hmm. like she's still got the book you know there things can yeah. happen there it's yeah. magic right like it's not over. And we all And um, Ivy's what a senior in high school. Yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's still yeah. time. This could actually, there could actually be a trilogy here. I'm just saying, if the author wants to listen to this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we know that we know that even if the memories are gone, 
they're just in that box. They can just release them and they can get them back again. So yeah, they're not gone forever. And here's the thing, like, you know, in book ended knowing that there was still some issues between Ivy and Dana, which there should be because, you know, Ivy, you know, is going to feel completely betrayed by her mom for what her mom did and taking Mm -hmm. those years away, regardless, you know, of her mom's best interests and everything like that. But there's definitely going to be, you know, if I was Ivy, I would have a million and a half questions and, you know, but those questions are going to need to be answered by someone who I don't trust now because like, so where Ivy as a kid was talking to Marion and that's what led to the, the brains or the, the memories being pulled into the box. What would prevent her from really trying to figure out the truth about everything and digging a little deeper and even accidentally creating something that she didn't want to. We're creating exactly. a sequel. Plot, is what we're, <laughs> we're creating they, a sequel. You know, they, they could do a whole book just on the very first witch. Oh yeah, the occultist. Yes. Oh yeah. Look how that whole on the occultist. Yeah, and that house, and why she ended up there, and maybe her storyline, and then jump back and forth. Yeah, we we didn't we find out enough house. about him about her. We Mm-mm. needed more information about her. Yeah. No, I was fascinated with her. I want, I was hoping yeah. we were going to find out who she was or that she was going to play a bigger role because I feel like they implied that she was, her brain was kind of mush from all the time she had spent in this purgatory. Mm-hmm. And so um, nothing was learned and she could never be released, even though I guess she was trying the whole time to get out of her situation. It all backfired. Mm-hmm. Because, like, she needed to be bound to, like, and I think Marion wanted the powers, so she was willing to, like, bind herself to the occultist so the occultist could get what she wanted by coming back. Marion could get what she wanted, which was all of this power. And, you know, and we we do learn a lot about Marion and Dana's, you know, pat like, her, her past timelines. But I would really, really love to see, like you said, you know, more from the point of view of the occultist. I would love, too, to see more from Marion's point of view to see what actually was it about her her childhood. I mean, we know that she was like, you know, like a really, you know, a younger child from her for her parents. And her parents is kind of like, you know, we've did this child raising thing. You're kind of on your own now. Um, but what really was it? in Marion that made her be drawn and connected to this dark magic, this, this occult magic and be willing, being willing to lie to her friends. Um, And that's the thing, like, you know, you have Fee who's like throwing her crucifix during this stuff to try to, to stop it because she's freaking out. You have, you know, um, Dana who like in that time period, it, it always feels like she's in the middle. Like, V seems very against it. Marion's like, we're doing this. And it's almost like Dana's feeling like the peacekeeper. Well, she's just doing it for fun until it isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I could totally um, identify with all of them working in a restaurant like I did at their age and just be like, what do you want to do? And, oh, yeah, this sounds really awesome. And let's, let's do this thing, you know. And then mm-hmm. at that age, just be weighing over your head. 
you know, like they were. And then it was just like too, too late to back out because of how females treat each other and how you can't really just say, no, I'm done. You know, how you just keep going along with it. I mean, it's just the way we are as females. And then there's the mean girl and, um, it just got so messy. No, definitely. I mean, it was the whole kind of trio dynamic that we see in so many other, well, so many other witchy books and all sorts of books, really. You have obviously Marion, who was the domineering kind of cool girl who was the yep. leader who told everyone what to do and they did it. Um, and then obviously you had the quieter ones. So it was really interesting. And I really liked the kind of development of the characters as you went through the book. And as you say, using the, the timeline, you got to see even more than you would do from just a like normal kind of linear um, single narrative. So um, as you were reading through the book, was there, did your opinion change or did you kind of continually like it as you went through? Um, how did you kind of feel as you went through? Really gripping, like start to finish. Um, I agree with what Jen said earlier, like that first couple scenes when they're coming back and then the girl's in the middle of the road and you're like, what is happening? I was like, yes, this yeah, is a book yeah. I'm going to get into. Yeah, like, I love yeah. it. And it, I thought that the pacing was awesome. And it really, I didn't feel like there was a lot in the story that didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. So it never really felt like there were lulls. You know, it was just, yeah. you were learning and going through the story at a really good pace. So it always helped my attention. It's one of those books where there wasn't enough. <laughs> you could have had more and we could have had more. Yeah. We, we, want, we want more. Yeah. Um, but also, I really liked the fact that throughout, there's this kind of undercurrent of tension and something sinister there's always something that's just slightly discomforting um which i really liked i i like that and you get it in thrillers and things like that so it's really nice to get it in in this fantasy novel i like that when um you know ivy was there with her mother and she would see her in the house and they would stare at each other and want to know which which you know what what are you doing? And she's looking at her going, I don't know, what are you doing? And, you know, like I said, I have two daughters and um, I could identify the whole time, but I'll tell you when they were eating at that table, and I think the mother pulls those teeth out of her mouth. Like I was like, does anybody, like, I felt like that was so disturbing and the father's yeah. not paying attention or he thought he saw her. And I'm like, why does she have rabbit teeth in her mouth? Like, what was going on there? Did anybody wonder? Why wasn't that big a deal? World... <laughs> yeah. Like, what was she I doing? This. I think that those scenes, like, there were, as things started getting weirder and weirder for Ivy, they were dark. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, just kind of subtle, mysterious stuff. Like, it was pretty rapid fire. And I think that's what kind of makes it feel like elevated YA too, because yeah. it it didn't shy away from stuff that's yeah. just straight up disturbing. But yeah, those te- yeah, like those those teeth, like you're right. Like, you know, I didn't even remember it until you brought that up because it was such a small piece. It's like oh, rabbit teeth, excuse me, moving on. Yeah. And it's just like She's oh, like, no. Oh, it's nothing. She could... What? Yeah. 
And it's just and like the husband's not paying. Yeah, the husband's not paying attention. Of course, the son is never paying attention. I'm picturing him doing drugs. He's like, I don't know what's going on with my <laughs> yeah. mom and my sister, and I'm like, you guys just need to tell me when it's time to eat. I'm going back to high school. Like, I could totally understand his role, yeah. but like the mother, like she was all. I was just like, I don't like. Is she even really her mother? And like, there was when those teeth came out of her mouth, I was so spooked. I was like, mm-hmm. this is getting really weird. And so, okay, yeah. so how how did that even happen then? Because, like, obviously, it had to have been something from Marion. So did Marion just, like, cast this random spell that says you're going to have rabbit teeth come out of your mouth? Like, I it was just enough in the house at that point. No, it was early on. <laughs> so but it was just enough for you to go, what is going on? Like, I have to know what's going on. Because wasn't it... It was Marianne like would have been that. in the house by that point. She would have been with the the occultist because it was when Ivy was had lost her memory, wasn't it? Right. It's early, yeah, because it was on. yeah, because it was in the modern day. It was like in the modern time period. Mm. Like it was in Ivy's timeline. <clears throat> and I think it was it's right the after time she. They all sit down. Yeah, and I think it was yeah. right after she found the dead rabbit. Yeah. Yes. But, be, but before Marion got in the house. I think it might be symbolic to say that Marion's power was getting stronger and it's almost like a taunt, uh, just a reminder that your life isn't comfortable, your life isn't like I can do stuff, I can carry out out these spells, I can interrupt your life, you're not safe. So I think it's more of a kind of a warning of what was to come. Really an escalation, like Mm -hmm. from like animal on the sidewalk to literally <laughs> invading your body and that, you know, like things aren't going to go well. It's not just, hey, I'm around, watch yourself. It's like, I'm targeting you specifically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and nobody knew it was rabbit teeth, but we all knew when we were reading that mm-hmm. they had uh-huh. rabbit yeah. coming out of her mouth. Uh-huh. 100%. The so, author did a great job with that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I reading it and as you learned more about Marion and especially like when it got to like her all kind of elsewhere chapters, I got the feeling and I, you know, that I was trying to figure out what Marion's end goal was like from the, from the beginning, obviously one of them was to get out of elsewhere and, you know, get back into the world. And then I, and then I, I felt that it was also, cause I think she said something at one point that she was going to, kill everybody um so was her end goal really to save herself and get out and then kill dana and ivy and fee and just eliminate everybody from her past was that what the end goal I thought was? It was revenge i felt mm. like it was revenge and i think she was going to torture ivy but then she became her friend sort of mm-hmm. yeah. i mean is that what everybody else thought like she was going to get to her through the daughter I think because I mean, I she was watching Ivy for seventeen years, wasn't she? She was watching her through that mirror. Oh. So I think she kind of she built some sort of connection because she yeah. watched her grow. She watched her become stronger. Um, she probably almost feels sorry for her because the fact that she was getting all this magic. She talked to her. She actually physically talked to her, and then suddenly yes. everything was taken away. Hmm. So yeah, I thought that was I mean, really neat too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had that. That was really neat. But yeah, no, he, she definitely wanted to kill the, at least the mother, at least Dana. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, she made it, she trapped her there, so. Yeah, because it, I mean, it was, it was 100% Dana who finished that off and, and, you know, mm-hmm. captured her. 
Um, and, then, and Holly, you had a good point where she was just wandering around like naked, like, and that had been going on for at least days. Right. So what yeah. was her end goal? Mm-hmm. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, she really needed Ivy to be able to pull anything off. Yeah. Is that, did uh-huh. everybody else feel that way that she couldn't do anything mm-hmm. by herself? Mm-hmm. That Ivy was going to be like her second source of power. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she wasn't quite strong enough in this physical body. Was she? Mm-mm. She wasn't quite strong enough to kind of do much. And that's really probably why Marion like got into the house and and you know stole the box because it was really important to Marion that Ivy get her memories back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but I mean, how creepy is it that you go in to steal the box and then you take a couple bites out of the cookies and you know, like creepy? Yeah. yeah. It was creepy. Like, if I, like I, I, I don't even know what I would have done after seeing her. And then she had her sweatshirt on still and then realized, oh, she's been in this house. Who is this person? I mean, maybe the biscuits thing was just a to make it obvious that somebody was in this house. It's like another unnerving tactic because uh-huh. you wouldn't necessarily know that that box had gone missing because I doubt any many people go into that safe. Mm-hmm. So it might be more right. of an obvious kind of somebody's been in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, then the dad good. knew, but the dad knew that the box held her memories <sighs> and that the box was yeah. stolen and he still didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He's like, oh, we need to find your mom. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to be scared at least. Yeah. So he didn't even seem scared. He's just like, oh, I don't want to tell you. We're going to tell her when, when, you know, when she gets here, even though I don't have any idea where she is, <laughs> we're not going to talk about it right now. And yeah. I'm like, you don't even act like you're scared, even though you, yeah. you just like, we find out you knew all about this whole thing. And you're just acting like, let's just wait for your mom to come home, even though we have no idea where she is. I feel like the like, father was kind of the least fleshed out character. I feel like he wasn't, he, there wasn't really much to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There just wasn't enough. I kind of wonder if that was the point, though. Like, if it's, especially after seeing your wife do that to your child, is he very much just like, I'm out of this. Like, I'm here because these are our kids and we're raising them, but, like, we don't have a connection anymore. I don't get what's happening. Like, I kind of felt like he had, like, was intentionally not part of the story because he made himself not part of the story. Like and he I, didn't yeah, really want to be there. And I think That's you're right way. because because I think there was a point in the book where I don't I I don't know what timeline it was, but that it came out that he was going to leave her, but he didn't because he knew that if he left, she'd get the kids and he wouldn't be there to, I, to do anything. So I I agree with you, Steph. I yeah, you know I, I think that for sure he yeah. had he he and Dana were over but for the kids he and knowing who dana was and her crazy moments and her migraines and you know i don't think he felt he could risk her disappearing as a mom and leaving the kids on the on their own if he wasn't there Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah. because he could have said listen there's a lot going on here that you don't know and um i'm worried about this whole situation and i don't know where your mom is and i'm worried about that too but we're gonna wait till she gets back he was just like you know what uh there's a i just can't tell you anything like he just was removed yeah definitely like this is not my mess kind of a feeling you know like <laughs> 
sure that he had an appropriate level of like concern for his daughter's safety. It was yeah. just like you gotta you gotta ask your mom because I am not here for this. Like I would have yeah. I would have liked to see a bit more protection, I, like a bit more yeah. protective side from him. Because if he's staying for the kids, he cares about the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you'd think he knows yeah. that this crazy person potentially going to get them, and yet, yeah, he. I just would have liked to see a bit more emotion from him, even just for the kids, because as you say, yeah, him and the wife are. There's nothing there. And I was also surprised. Like I have, I have a, a son. I have a son and a daughter, and my my son is older. And I think about their abilities to keep things from each other. So if something had happened and I told my son, you are never to speak of this to your do- to your sister ever, 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 ever. I wonder how long he would last before he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if that, like as soon as I walked out of the room, he'd be like, oh, guess what? They took your memories. <laughs> I mean, how about- how about every time they went in the yard and that neighbor was standing yes! there? Yes! Like, Do you know him? Do you remember talking yeah, to him? Exactly. Yeah. Do you, you know, know him, sister? And, and, and even if he doesn't, like, come right out and say it, having that knowledge, my kid would use his power. Hey, do you remember Billy yeah. next door? Like, what do you think of him? Do you think he's cute? Like, and, and just, like, torment. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but for him, like, he didn't. He almost, like almost became like dad where he completely like removed himself because he's like mm. oh my family is so screwed up like i don't want any part of this these people are nuts because he's he's only a few years older wasn't he, mm-hmm. he was slightly older than ivy mm-hmm. so that uh-huh. means that when he had to keep the secret he was still quite young mm-hmm. so to have to put that on a i'm guessing what teenager perhaps mm-hmm. yeah probably put that on them is just yeah, I don't know how how you would have. Well, I'm I, surprised that I they do, kept I, his memories. <laughs> I will say though, my husband has a sister, and they were not close at all. I mean, they're close now, and we're grown, but they never hung out together in school, and they're only two years apart, and they never, ever, ever like played together. He said when they were young, because huh. I'll ask, because I didn't have a brother, but if she was as difficult as they said she was before her memory was swiped. You remember she was arguing with her mom all the time and Uh she was getting all this power. She probably didn't have any time for him. And he probably just said, you know what? You and your mom fight all the time and you're acting, you know, weird and we're not close. So Mm -hmm. that wasn't too hard for me to believe because of my Uh husband and his sister. But she was, it sounded like she was a real handful before her memory was swiped. That's true. But I don't know about you. I did kind of get that the brother was still, to some extent, protect like protective of her, uh-huh. like yeah. a kind yeah. of like a natural protection. So, yeah, I don't think they were particularly close because, as you say, I think if anything, the secret may have even pushed them further apart. But I still think that yeah, the brother, the brother still cared quite a lot from the conversations that they had. Um, like the small interactions that we. But and he didn't her. know, right? He didn't know her memory was wiped. I think, well, he was, his, the mum, didn't the mum tell him never to mention Billy? Yeah, yeah but he, yeah. he actually, I mean, you know how crazy women are. I mean, I'm going through menopause <laughs> right now. I'm totally crazy. <laughs> so, if, you know, 
she, if the mom came to him and said, listen, you know, your sister's just acting crazy and we've been fighting and yeah. I'm, she's mm-hmm. grounded again. And, you know, she's, she started getting these powers, remember? And it was just her against her mom. And he probably just said, you know, I'm going to stay out of it. And then all of a sudden she started acting better. And I can see the brother going, oh, I'm just glad mom and, and her are getting along. And I'm not That's supposed bad. to mention any of that because she was so emotional about it, but I'm just not going to bring it up. That's how I, I saw it. Yeah, we never actually knew for sure, did we, how much he knew. All we knew is that he was told never to mention Biddy. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't think we're told anything. Probably suspected that there were, like, weird yeah. things about his mom. Oh, though. Yeah. And I think, like, as a teenage boy, he was also probably like, what? Like, there's got to be some fear for him, too, right? Of Like, mm-hmm. what changed? Even if he doesn't know, he suspects his mom's weird. Yeah. He can see that his parents have a horrible relationship. So there's probably got to be a part of him that's like, how, like, why would I even want a relationship with any of them? You know, like he probably kept himself a little separate too out of fear or just not understanding this dynamic happening around him. I was going to say it did um, his reaction to Ivy trying to talk to him about his mother. It did feel a lot like the father kind of, Mm -hmm. he was just like, look, we know she's weird. Just, just leave it alone. Just don't. Don't go, exactly. don't go there. So, yeah, he did kind of. Then let's talk about Billy, because here's Billy, who has his memories. All of a sudden, bam, things changed with Ivy, and now all these years later, all of a sudden, she's like, oh, my God, I remember. Like, he was very quick to be like, I, I don't know, just like so... Oh, like he accepted it fast. yes like with and i and i get that he had that idea of like there there was there was something magical because she was like when they were little she would show him her magic uh-huh. so and he still yeah, had those memories together. and their dreams yeah. so he had his memories but still he was really quick to not question like what happened what's going on like he's just like i don't know maybe he's just being a teenage boy I wondered though if he like because they talk about how like he doesn't sleep like he's always out on that mm-hmm. front porch like is he just like standing watching away hmm. like wondering like about his friends like are they gonna come back like is she gonna remember him mm. is the mom gonna go off the deep end and he's gonna need to rescue her like I almost felt like he was waiting for this to happen like even yeah. as a teenager young teenager mm-hmm. there was a part of him that always was like I'm going to get her back. Yeah. Yeah. I think the I mean, author did a great job with that too, where he, it seemed like all the boys that she was around was scared of the mom. So you got the impression that she was always doing something that they said, you know, if it was magical or whatever, where she was saying, don't mess with her. And I, if I, you know, I'm doing something with her and you better stay away. Because she even questioned the first boyfriend and said, why are you afraid of my mom? And she laughs about it. And I'm thinking, why would what she did to him? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I completely agree with Steph's um, view, because if you think about one of the first boys that we see that drops from her off that night, um, the ex-boyfriend, and suddenly Billy is there protecting her and saying, are you OK? Um, do you need help? So I think you are right that there is still that very much lingering, almost like bodyguard, um, almost like duty. Yeah, because uh, responsibility. Because as soon as the, the ex-boyfriend drops her off, he goes and gets in a car accident. 
Yeah. 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 Cause they're scared of that mom. Cause mm-hmm. who knows, you know, nobody's talking about what she's done and how she is. And maybe the whole town might even know that she's a witch. Mm-hmm. We don't even know, you know, mm-hmm. Boy. I never thought that Billy blamed her. Like it was always like he knew that it was something bigger. It wasn't just that this girl suddenly got mean, you know, like he, he really just thought it was the mom or it was a weird situation. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting one that, you know, that over the years, she never ended up getting drawn back to Billy. Like it just became like this complete, complete separation for her. Um, even though she constantly saw him and everything. Um, but then <laughs> the other piece of it that, you know, we talked about the ending being like so quick versus the rest of the book. One of the things that I, I had to laugh at was after she got her memories back and she went to Billy, they go and they hang out in the treehouse for a while. And I'm like, dude, you need to go save your mom. Why are you hanging out, making out with Billy in the treehouse when you have to go stop this crazy lady? So I thought Teenage hormones. Teenage hormones. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. I guess. But that was, that was, I found that kind of, kind of humorous. I'm like, you have plenty of time to make out. Go save your mom. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, okay, so let's kind of just go around and final thoughts on the book. Steph, we'll start with you. Uh, overall, loved it. Thought it was just the perfect, fun, spooky read, which I'm always looking for. Um, anything dark and mysterious is my go-to. So I was very happy with the book. Um, super, super great experience. Really hope there's a next one. Mm. Okay. Liz? Yeah, no, I pretty much echo um, Steph's opinion. It was a really good book. I loved kind of the character development and the whole dark magic, which you just don't see enough of um, in modern kind of modern authors um, for YA fantasy. Just really nice setting. So just overall, yeah, really enjoyable book. Okay. Jen? Uh, Yeah, I'm in agreement with both girls. Um, Pleasantly surprised. I had no idea that it was going to be as mysterious as it was. Um, it was definitely under a mystery, magic. Um, I would have liked more romance, but that's my genre is romance. <laughs> and um, I thought the whole thing was really, really well done. Um, it had a great balance. Um, every chapter I was just pulled further and further in and you know, overall, I gave it a four, and I just, it was the right balance of young adult and mystery, and I was very happy with the ending also. I will just ditto kind of what you all have said. Uh, I agree. I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I really didn't have any idea going into it what I was going to get. Um, and I love, like I said at the beginning, like that dark, the dark fantasy, the dark magic, that like occultist kind of um, feeling that just hung like this dark cloud over the entire book. Um, and then I thought that the, the structure was so well done with the alternating points of view and timelines that had that perfect gradual release of information right when we needed it. Um, so, you know, right 
when the present day wasn't making sense, we jumped to the past to clarify to, so we could jump back to the present. And it was just, it was just so, so perfectly done. Um, but I swear you ground a teenager and there's bound to be problems because that's what happened. <laughs> Ivy got grounded and all of a sudden everything just kind of hits the fan because she now has all this time on her hands. Um, but I, I thought it was a great book. I thought it was so different and, and just kind of like, you know, creatively different from what I'd been reading, that it was a great change of pace. Um, I, too, gave it four stars. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, the ending still, there are some pieces of the ending that kind of like mm-hmm. I struggled with a little bit. And as a result, I do hope there's a book, too, to help kind of answer some of those questions that I struggled with. But overall, I thought it was it was a great book. So, um, all right. Well, we have, have kind of concluded our book club discussion. Um, uh, ladies, thank you so much. This was so fun just to kind of sit and just talk about a book. You know, Liz and I, this was the first time yeah. we decided to do this. <laughs> I'm super excited. I thought it was great. Now that we kind of know how this works, um, we, I know Liz and I have talked that we'd like to do one, you know, every couple of months. So ladies, we would love to have you back so we can, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of gather on Instagram and choose a book and pick a date and we'll do, we'll do this again. Um, but before we end, we end all of our shows with our famous speed round, our either or speed round. Um, so Liz, I'm going to turn it over to you to, to ask us our questions. Okay. So yeah, ladies, as we say, it is, um, either or quick five round, no explaining. Um, if we go Steph, Jen, Holly, me, Okay. Uh, for answering wise, just to make it easier. Um, this one is book club edition. So just kind of just very bookish questions. So are you all ready? Let's do it. Ready. Okay. So would you rather love a book everyone hates or hate a book everyone loves? Love a book everyone hates. I definitely hate a book. I want to hate a book everyone loves. <laughs> I think I would love a book everyone hates. Yeah, I have to say love a book everyone hates. Okay, would you rather have someone ruin the ending of a book or never finish the book you're reading? I'd rather have it ruined than not finish. I agree. I'd rather have it be ruined. 100%. (laughs) Hundred percent. I'd rather have it ruined. Would you rather have dinner with your favorite author or your favorite character? Author. Character. Author. Author. Uh, Would you rather live in a library or a bookstore? Same. Like if I live there, Uh, but I guess I would say bookstore library bookstore yeah i'm gonna have to get bookstore (laughs) i'm loving this jen (laughs) (laughs) would you rather read by the fireplace or on the beach 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 i'm gonna say fireplace (laughs) you're just trying to make me feel better (laughs) (laughs) 
have an umbrella, it's fine. <laughs> um, would you rather be a character in Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings. Harry Potter. It has to be Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, would you rather read a book that transports you to the past or the future? Past. And I want the past. Mm, I want the future. Yeah, I was. Please stop saying the same things. <laughs> I was going to say the future. It's got to be the future. Um, would you rather read about zombies or dragons? Dragons. 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 Hundred percent dragons. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love a good dragon? Exactly. Uh, would you rather have unlimited money for eBooks or a five thousand dollar bookstore gift card? Gift card. Print books all the way. Uh, unlimited funds for ebook. Um, I'd probably go with the gift card for sure. Yeah, I'd have to get a gift card. Uh, finally, last one. So, would you rather read graphic novels or comic books? Graphic novels. Or right, what was the question again? Would you rather read graphic novels or comic books? Oh, and you said comic books, Stephanie. Graphic novels. Oh, graphic novels. Um. I've never read either one. <laughs> Ever. No explanations, Jennifer. <laughs> okay. Um, graphic novels. Um, it's okay. I've never read either of them either. So, mm-hmm. uh, I would say graphic. I know, but there's a graphic novel coming out that I know I'm going to read. Um, so yeah. The Grisha verse one. So I'm going to say graphic novels. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be graphic novels. Okay, so that is our Either or Book Club edition. Yay! Thanks, ladies. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Um, the next show will be dropping on the 19th of September. Um, so we'll be recording on the 17th. And we have a special interview. Uh, we've got another British author on. Yay! Um, this time is Christy Barlow, uh, who writes the Love Heart Lane trilogy, uh, Love Heart Lane collection, which is a series of um, kind of cozy uh, romantic comedies. So Jen might be right up to your, up your, oh, up right. your street. It's, it's, she's yeah. really good. I've read about three of her books. Um, she's really, really good author. So very much looking forward to that. So just before we go, um, we'll just go through where everyone can get you. So first of all, Steph, where can where can people find you on um, on social media? Um, I am on Instagram as Books Cats Tacos. Three um, of my favorite things. <laughs> um, I'm at Kindles all the way down. Holly, where can we find you? So I'm on Instagram at AZ Desert Bookworm, and then I have my website, which is tinyurl slash desert bookshelf. And Liz, where can we find you? Uh, Instagram, I am Lizzie's Little Book Nook, which is Lizzie with an IE, and website is uh, Lizzie's Little Book Nook.co.uk. Yay! So that Yay. is it for our show. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we've had such a good time. So, um, any last words, Holly? 
Nope, just um, Jen and Steph, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to bringing you guys back for our next book club episode in a couple months, so we'll figure out all the details. Um, and now that everyone's going to listen, because, you know, uh, we are like, you know, we have millions and millions of listeners to our <laughs> podcast, so it's now going to be like everyone's going to want to join us, um, but we'll make sure that we have you two on, <laughs> regardless of right, who's knocking right. down our doors. But um, we've had so much fun, so we hope that everyone that listens has enjoyed it and that they it will now be inspired to go read the book to see how it actually all happens. And we will uh, be back again next month. So until then, happy reading, everyone. Have a great month. Okay. Bye. Right. Bye. Thank you.